Can you solve the Ryan case? The Dead of Night, 1873. A scream, a cry of murder, two innocent people slain, and a killer never found. But that's where you come in. The Ryan case, 1873, is an interactive murder mystery where you are the detective. Time Out New York calls it CSI in the 1870s. For more information or to order tickets, visit www.liveintheatre.com or call 212-780-4787. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! Salutations, my beautiful screamers, and welcome back to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets banned. This is episode 31, and tonight we're debuting a whole new segment of the show where we ask the question, why the fuck isn't this on DVD? And we check out the 1944 Ray Milan Go story creeper, The Uninvited. And then, here comes Peter Cottontail, carving out your eyes with the rusty nail. That's right, it's finally time for me to review Easter Bunny. Kill, kill! Is it just me, or is that title making everybody moist? Well, regardless, we're doing it anyway. We're going to have a great time. We've got a great show for you tonight. I'm going to stop saying great and play a great program. Oh, shit. You know what? Fuck it. It's my show. Great, 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 great. Let's get on with it. Hi, Andy's grandma. We're here to record a new episode of Night of the Living Podcast. Is Andy home? Oh, me so sorry. He no home right now. You follow me. Oh, Andy's room smells kind of weird. Yeah, really strange. He left his computer on over here, too. Hey, guys. Why do you think Andy might have this mask of human skin that's weird maybe you guys know why there's this machete in the corner this computer's just knife enthusiast websites in american apparel oh wait there's another website here palaver.com palaver okay palaver whatever i palaver. think yeah he's definitely got the serial killer board up right under a night of the living podcast discussions oh jesus uh maybe we should get the hell maybe out of we here. should go yeah i think we should Hey guys, you ready to record? If you're a fan of horror films, you should check out Night of the Living Podcast at NOTLP.com. Part of the Palaver family. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode. It's so great to have you back. But wait, before I go a step further, I have to stop and wish a happy 5th anniversary birthday, whatever the hell you call it, to Night of the Living Podcast. They've been doing this for five years, this show, and I give you a huge round of applause. I wasn't clapping with my hands, by the way, but that's just going to leave that for your imagination. They were the first podcast that I fell in love with and started getting addicted to, so they hold a huge place in my heart. They are near and dear friends, and I wish them all the best, even though they exposed me to cake farts. We've got a lot to talk about this week. I've got a lot of chatter i got to get through. Plus, we got tons and tons of voicemails and email responses as well. Oh, yeah, we got to talk about some horror movies and some shit as well. So let's get right down to it. First of all, as a lot of you know, it was a really rough period for me and Mr. Brad here at Scream Queen headquarters. SQHQ, of course. First of all, my sister has been going through chemotherapy for uterine cancer. And, of course, our cat Tyler spent a week in the hospital scaring the hell out of us because uh, they couldn't figure out what was wrong with him and there was a chance it might have been pancreatic cancer or something really nasty like that. My sister's been doing well. She's responding very 
good to the chemotherapy. Well, this is where being the partial black sheep of the family is kind of rough because I have to get all this information through my mother. And my mother has problems saying words, things like uterus or vagina or cancer. So it's kind of like playing Mad Libs with her. I have to kind of fill in the blanks on my own. So she'll say something like, well, your sister had to go see the, um, well, you know, to start getting, you know, for the, the growth in her, you know, that could be interpreted as your sister has started seeing the oncologist to start her chemotherapy for the growth in her uterus. Or you could go Mad Libs and it could be your sister has started seeing a groundskeeper to start pruning for her growth in her shrubbery garden. I don't know, but that's how it is with my mom. So that's, But everything seems to be going okay. She was supposed to be scheduled for a hysterectomy on for whatever day the royal wedding was. However, that didn't happen. She's still going under, undergoing chemo, and she's responding really well. That's all I know. Tyler is home, and he's doing great. He's scared the living shit out of me. Because, you know, as I told my mom, this is the closest to kids that I'm getting are these cats. So it's a big deal. They still really haven't given a diagnosis, but he's he... It apparently, the best that they could come up with was that it was an inflammation of the fat around his organs. So he got fat-titus in my head. So in addition, now that he's home, someone's going to have to start on a diet. He's a big fat pussy puss. And I just want to thank all of you. I'm going to say this again later. I want to thank all of you for the incredible outpouring of support and in, in emails and phone calls and in all kinds of different formats during this really rough period. And... It was inspiring. You know, people rag on social media that, oh, it's not really true social contact. But, you know, it was still social contact during a time when I needed it. So, rah, rah, social networking. Okay, this has gotten really morbid. So, I just got one more somber thing to get out of the way. I have failed in my Horror Hound weekend coverage. So much other shit has been going on. And now so much time has passed since Horror Hound that it seems irrelevant at this point. Again, things are getting distant in my mind. It's so far away now. And I feel like I have failed. And there were things that were happening at the convention too that screwed things up. Mr. Brad went to sleep for three days. And I was pissy for three days. So I was not getting the full experience and I didn't get a lot of pictures as a result or video or anything. So it's all fail, 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 fail. I did want to say the last movie of the weekend was Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. I'll put a link to the... Um, trailer on the website this is an awesome this is a truly great horror comedy and those are really hard to pull off um for some reason the release has been held up for quite some time kind of like trick-or-treat was and there are certain copies floating around uh, actually the, the copy that we saw was not even a finished print the special effects weren't fully completed and it, the movie was so strong that it didn't matter the story's so strong and the comedy's great and the acting's wonderful that a couple of missing special effects was not a big deal. And I, I, I know that uh, a, a copy of that has been floating around on the interwebs for some time. And while I'm not condoning stealing, if, if, if you know it happens to fall into your lap through completely legal means, I would highly recommend checking it out. Because far be it for me to condone any sort of illegal activity. Okay, let's talk about fun stuff now. Okay, okay, okay. So Bradford and I got to go to the theater the other week, and we got to see ha we got to see Harvey Firestein in La Caja Fall on Broadway, and it was great. Now Bradford had never seen the stage show before, and he kept comparing it to the Birdcage, and this gets me angry. I now present to you the case of La Caja versus Birdcage. Mm-hmm. 
The thing I hate about the birdcage, it's fine, but there's one crucial element from the movie, from the from the musical and the original French movie that's missing. It's when the father character confronts the son and says, "Look at what you're doing to Zaza. She's given up everything for you, your entire life. She's going to do whatever you tell her to do, but you are treating her like crap. She doesn't deserve that, and you should know better." There was no moment of Aha, she's a human being. Never happened in the American version. The drag queen was just there to be laughed at and to be used. And that shit ain't right. Judgment for Lacage. Case closed. So, Osama Bin Laden's dead. Yeah, how's that for a smooth transition, kids? Holy crap, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but you know... 9-11 hit hard here, you know, not just because I'm in New York. Yes, it was in my backyard. My city has never been the same since. It, it's, some people would say it's gone uphill. Some people would say it's turned into Disneyland and not for the people who live here anymore. And it's, it's all directly related to that. And also just here in the house, Mr. Brad was there. He was down there at the time. And, you know, he's, he's, he's never been the same since. So while I couldn't rejoice that the man's dead, it did sort of bring some closure, but it still didn't bring back any of my friends. You know, I lost people in 9-11. I had a friend on Flight 93. So did my friend Owen. And lots of people I went to high school and college with were in the buildings that didn't get out. And they're still dead. So it's it's bittersweet for us here. You know what? I can't went back to depressing stuff. But you know what? This is what happened. When they started pre- when they started preempting television to let us know that the announcement was coming, it was right at the end of the Celebrity Apprentice and it was a whole, the whole big war between Star Jones and Nene Leakes. Now, I know I'm not supposed to be watching that show. As a gay man, I'm supposed to be boycotting it because Donald Trump came out and said basically that gays and lesbians don't deserve any rights. At all. But hello, it was Latoya Jackson, Star Jones, Nene Leakes, and Gary Busey on one show. It's a train wreck, train wreck television extraordinaire. How can I not watch? I flagellate myself afterwards, but I watched. And, you know, when they started announcing that the, go- that the president was going to be coming on, I'm thinking, huh, it must be serious if they're cutting into major programming this late with the news about, you know, it was almost 11 o'clock anyway, the news is coming on. It must be something really important. And when we found out what it was, I'm like, wow, that's really important. That's major news. It's huge, global, proportion news. Yet a little part of me was like, but what happened with Star Jones and Nene Neeks? Huh, he couldn't have waited another five minutes to let us know? It wasn't like the man was going to get any less dead or something. Anyway, that's just me. And speaking of acts of terrorism, let me tell you something. You know, Mr. Brad, you probably think of him as very soft-spoken and genteel and the quieter of the two of us. That might be true, but it's the quiet ones you gotta watch out for. Because let me tell you this. I make a lot of noise, but I'm all bark. Whereas Mr. Brad is a man of action. Let me tell you this. He came home and he told me that he, you know, he was on the subway and he was like, oh man, the subway was awful because there was some, I forget what sporting event was going on at the Colise- at the, uh, at the uh, Madison Square Garden. But he said the trains were packed and it was packed with trash. He was sitting down and this cluster of very large sassy women got on and were packed in really up close to him like buttocks in the nose kind of thing. And one of them started throwing attitude, being like, hmm, some people really need to learn how to make room. People need to get up and let a lady sit down. And Mr. Brad, of course, is thinking, you ain't no lady, honey. But eventually, the person next to him got up. So the loud, sassy woman was able to sit down. However, 
It was a seat that was much smaller than her chassis could, you know, her chassis was able to squeeze into comfortably. So he's got like rolls of this woman flopping over onto him. And she keeps complaining that like, some people need to learn how to make room so that a lady can sit down. Some people should slide down a little more. Some people are very rude. So Mr. Brad got up and the train is still crowded. So he now the position is reversed. Now his ass is in her face. And he said, I felt one coming. And I looked over her and I smiled. And then I let out the loudest, stinkiest fart right in her face. And she was like, oh my God. Oh my God, someone let me out of this train. Now she's wedged in the seat so she can't get up. She can't move. There's no place to go. So she's got to like wallow in the far smell. And she's like, oh my God, somebody, oh my God, I can't believe you. You're disgusting. He turned around and goes, I'm sorry. I've got irritable bowel syndrome. Which he doesn't. Does have nasty farts though. I would never do that. I would never do that. I might have done it silently, but I would never do that. But, you know, that's the difference between him and me. I'll be the one to talk smack about that woman on a podcast two days later. He's the one who will fart in her face. He's the one who will punch a woman in the face with a bag of screws because she steals a cat from him. But that's a story for another time. And if you want to hear more about Mr. Brad getting all uppity in public places, you need to head on over to the I'm Not Here to Make Friends podcast and check out episode 152. Now, longtime listeners will probably remember that Bradford and I wound up on an episode of Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares that aired about you know two months ago now. And we both got on right at the beginning of the show, and they had a, a nice shot of Mr. Brad complaining that this steak's got absolutely no flavor whatsoever. And then the rest of the show kind of painted the restaurant is troubled, but overall it was all whimsical and sweet. Well, Mr. Bradford and I went on with our friends Allison and Brian and talked about the true story of what went on at PJ Steakhouse. And if you like horror movies, you need to go check out episode 152 of I'm Not Here to Make Friends because what we talk about is a true horror show. You'll love it. I'll be putting a link in the show notes, and I just have to say, uh, or you can head on over to... uh, www.notmakefriends.com and I would like to point out for that one very special episode I'm not here to make friends was friends with a Z oh uh, some bad news I heard back from that that, uh, guy at Logo who was trying to produce that podcast uh, the, the documentary about gay and lesbian podcasters the big wigs at Logo did not jump at the project, so it's dead in the water. But, you know, it was nice just to be involved for a little while. So, Nick Lyons, thank you so much for the opportunity. Say la vie. La vie. Anyway, uh, what else is going on? Oh, um, Bradford and I are going to be participating in this year's uh, AIDS Walk New York City on May 15th, I think it is. And I would love for you, my beloved listeners, if you can, help sponsor us. You know, GMHC is a wonderful organization. It's helped a lot of my friends. It's helped us in a lot of ways. And we're doing everything we can to give back to them. I'll be putting a link in the show notes. I'm setting up a webpage for donations as well. Expect to hear lots of Twitters and Facebook updates about this in the next couple of weeks. Help us fight the fight because it ain't over yet. And something I'm going to be promoting in the next couple of weeks is that the, the AIDS walk is tying in nicely to what the New York City Gay Men's Chorus is doing for our, our uh, summer concert. Now, traditionally, the June concert is all about community outreach. Christmas is about Christmas. Spring is about the big gay saying, fun, 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 and then June is about issues. This year's concert is called Accentuate the Positive. 
and it's about life with HIV now. You know, how people who are living it with it and living with it and how it's not a death sentence anymore, usually. Anyway, it's just the new face of HIV. It's a really great concert. It's going to be a lot of fun, and you'll be hearing more about that later, but it just ties in quite nicely, doesn't it? I keep coming back to depressing stuff. What is up with me? Oh, hey, here's interesting news. I got an email after last uh, week's show you know, where we talked about that movie, Absentia, that Zombard and his friend Sophocles and I all saw at Harham Weekend. Well, the very next day after it aired, I got an email from the director, Mike Flanagan, and he was very excited that we were talking about it and that we liked it so much, and he's going to be sending me a copy of that movie, his other movie, Oculo, that I also talked about. So that's pretty cool. I'm making connections, bitches. I'll keep you posted on that, because that looked like a freaky-deaky movie. In case you forgot, this week, this Sunday, Mother's Day, it's birthday time here at Scream Queen's headquarters. That's right. Mr. Brad and I are sharing our birthdays. Yay, because we're that adorable. So happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. We're not going to sing any more of that, because we don't have the money to pay ASCAP. No, I know some of you said, did you just have a birthday at Harham Weekend? I said, no, that was my 40th birthday. This is my 41st birthday. You figure it out. Shut up and buy me a shot, bitch. <laughs> and speaking of getting drunk, oh, God, uh, my friend Jennifer had her Mayday brunch that she always has uh, this past weekend. And somehow we got on to the topic of drunk girls. Now, Bradford and I have had a unique experience with drunk girls over the years. See, when we first started going out, we lived on 14th Street in Chelsea. Now, this is a gay neighborhood, but it was it's transitioning. It's becoming very straight, very nightclub-y. And so... Any given night, it was always crazy. You know, come about 3 o'clock in the morning when the bar started to let out, it was always a zoo out there, always drunk girls screaming and crying. But if you had to go out for any reason in the morning, you know, to get donuts or go to work, you would literally have to be stepping over the carcasses of, you know, crying drunk girls in, you know, $3,000 dresses, mascara running down their face, you know, their hair all jacked up, you know, food and dirt and birds nesting in their hair and throwing up on their $1,400 Manolo Blahnik shoes. It was not pretty. But my two favorite drunk girl stories came up from our time at 14th Street. One day I went out, I think I was going on an audition because, you know, when you're auditioning for something in equity, you have to get online at like six o'clock in the morning just to get an appointment time and it's a real drag. But anyway, I got out and there was this girl sitting on the curb right outside the building, copiously vomiting in the street. Copiously vomiting all over those Jimmy Choo's. You know, after, after a bout of hurl, she looks up and she sees me. And all of a sudden she like purse up and starts fixing her hair. You know, rubbing some vomit unintentionally in her hair. And this girl is beyond train wreck. And she's just fixing the hair and she's like, got all such a look in it. And she goes, holla. I'm like, no, no holla. No holla. Holla is over. You need to go home. The party is over forever. But it was like that all the time. The other favorite story is one time we were, it wasn't even late. It was maybe 11 o'clock at night, so the party really shouldn't have gotten started yet, because if you're cool, you don't get to the nightclub before 2. But we're walking along, and a couple buildings before ours, there's this girl sitting in the doorway, again, dressed to the nines, looking like she got hit by a bus, mascara running down the face, you know, one uh, one earring gone, broken heel. But she's got her legs spread really far, and she's digging in her crotch and crying, I mean like digging in her vagina, looking... 
hands in the panties, digging and crying, going, I can't find it! <laughs> I can't find it! I can't find it! I don't know what she couldn't find in her vagina, but honey, this is the bottom. It's not even midnight yet, and you have hit rock bottom. And why don't I have my camera? And hey, before we get into the official reviews, I just wanted to throw out a couple of quickies. You guys know me, I'm watching horror movies all the time, but I can't physically possibly report on all of them. But some of them I do want to touch on, either just to give you a warning or just to, you know, let you know I'm working during all this downtime. Anyway, the first movie I want to talk about is this movie called Prowl. And this is kind of a movie that fear infuriates me. It's got an interesting idea that never really follows through. It's 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 these kids. They're trying to get to Chicago, you know, because some girl needs to get an apartment. You know, whatever. It doesn't really matter. But they wind up breaking down like you always do. They get picked up by a trucker who puts them in the back of the truck. And next thing they realize, they're not going where they're supposed to be going. They wind up in this slaughterhouse with all the doors barred. And there are things hunting them in the slaughterhouse. So this movie was a combination of The Descent and 30 Days of Night. Not a bad combination. It's low budget, and it's okay. However, they throw something in in the last 10 minutes that made my eyebrow go up. Because I said, now you got interesting. You've been blasé for an hour and 20 minutes, and now you get kind of interesting at the end. It's a skippable movie. If it's in your queue, you don't need to take it out, but you also don't need to bump it up either. And the other one I want to talk about is Vampire Boy, since I haven't been talking enough about gay horror, uh, gay horror movies. Now, one of my beefs right off the bat with this movie is because they spelled boys, as in Vampire Boys, with an S. Really, what kind of self-respecting gay horror movie is going to spell that without a Z? Strike one. Uh, I burped. I skipped this one because it just looks wretched. But I met the producer at Harham Weekend and he assured me that it's not. I read on campblood.org that it was okay. And I saw it and it is. It's silly. You know, it's this, this horde of gay vampires you know, who of course wear black leather all the time. And they always walk in formation all the time. It's not good. It has moments of real greatness. Like the chemistry between the lead vampire and his victim is, is pretty good. Like when this lead vampire guy is on his own or acting with anybody else, he's really quite good. When he's with his tribe of meathead vampires, then it, the whole thing is awful. The dialogue is awful. Everything's awful. But overall, the movie's just boring. The one thing that I thought was really interesting is they had this random attack scene with random people. This girl and two guys are honking through the woods for some goddamn reason. And she just decides, hey, we're all going to have a threesome right now. Like, I guess girls do all the time. They just announce that at certain times. I'm deciding, come on, let's go. TP me right now. And But she goes, but before we do, you guys are going to have to make out. Get naked. And the guys immediately are like, okay, please. I'm like, wow, that was easy. But then before anything possibly interesting happens, the vampires come and eat them. It's a weird mix. It wants to be erotic, but it's not. And the dialogue, oh my god, oh my god. Now these vampires don't follow the rules. The rules don't apply. Which you could have learned just by watching, but no, they have to have dialogue like they're lying out in the sun in formation. And one of them says, boy, it sure is nice that the vampire legends about sunlight aren't true. I like getting a tan so much. I'd hate to burst into flame and sunlight. Yeah, it's also really great that we can wear crucifixes too, because that's a lie too, and they look cool on me. Oh my god. 
come on. I, of course, did a better job with that. Whatever line I had written was awful. But Vampire Boy, skip it. You don't need to see it. See it if you have to. But, um, you know what? Why are we talking about mediocre movies? Let's get down to the meat, babies. Let's stir it up, because we got a brand new section of the show to debut here. So let's get down to business. this on dvd oh yeah so we got a new segment here on scream queens and i think it's kind of self-explanatory plain and simple these are movies that i either had on vhs or that i've always loved that are just not available on dvd yet to my knowledge. So the purpose of this segment is twofold. One, to inform you about movies that are not available so that you can store DVD distributors and say, give me this piece of crap. Or we all just say, bitch, this was released in blah, 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 five years ago. You are wrong. Either way, it's a win-win. So to kick off this segment, our virgin voyage, if you will, we're going to take a look at a movie called The Uninvited. No, not The Uninvited with Elizabeth Banks. Not the uninvited on the boat with the weird cat monster thing, no! Well, it turns out there's just a fuckload of movies called The Uninvited, but we are only talking about one, the good one. The Uninvited from 1944, starring Ray Milan and Ruth Hussey. Ruth, you're a hussy! That's why you're uninvited. Oh, shut up, Patrick. Play the goddamn trailer. This is the voice of the uninvited. It comes from everywhere and nowhere. A house of terror on the haunted cliffs of Cornwall, where the uninvited walk unseen by men. Yet a cat arches its back in fright. <coughs> Flowers are withered by the touch of an unseen malignant hand. Candles flicker and die as a ghostly chill fills the air, and the living are clutched by the icy horror of the restless dead. Stop, Pamela. Don't go near that door. The Uninvited, Dorothy McCardle's gripping novel of the supernatural comes to the screen, starring Ray Land, Ruth Hussey, Donald Crisp, 
with Cornelia Otis Skinner and introducing the exciting beauty of Gail Russell, whose first love is shadowed by the specters of the past. Stella, what is it? Are you ill, Stella? Quiet. Leave her alone. Oh, God. Oh, God. Stop her, Scott. Shh. She's in a trance. I saw this happen once before at a seance. I thought it was a fake. But this isn't. I know. It's dangerous. Please get out of this house now. Now lie there quietly. I'm not afraid of anything here. Then be afraid. Be afraid for heaven's sake. When you were a little child, the evils of this house reached out for you. Stella, go! Go! So, as you can tell from the trailer, The Uninvited is a good, old-fashioned, classic ghost story. Now, for a lot of modern viewers, you might find it really, really slow and really, really predictable. But if you're like me, with this kind of a movie, that kind of predictability is like a hug. You know, it's like a comfortable blanket. It's like an old friend. So for all you jaded modern bitches out there, you can go fast forward, can't you? While the rest of us find out about something cool. Anyway... The Uninvited was based on a very popular stage play, which I'd be curious to see, just to see how they did this, quote, special effects. But it follows the story of Roderick and Pamela Fitzgerald, played by Raymond Land and uh, Ruth Hussey. Now, they're not married. They are brother and sister. And they're not young brother and sister. They're got to be in their late 30s, early 40s, yet they still live together. I don't get it. But, you know, okay, that's the way it is. It's a different time. Anyway, they're off. Anyway, they're off on holiday from their tiny London flat, and they're visiting the English coast, the haunted cliffs of England, wherever that is. They don't really say. But anyway, not the point right now. But while they're there, they just happen to stumble across this abandoned mansion. They keep calling it a house, but it is the hugest fucking house you would ever want to see. Yeah, you know, they have this great little dog, this little... Uh, Jack Terrier named Bobby who goes chasing a squirrel and he jumps into the open window of this house and they have to go get him out and all of a sudden they're like, oh, it does not appear that anyone lives here. And then Ruth Hudley's all like, Roderick, this house is divine. We simply must find out who owns it. It simply must be up for sale. We must find out. So pip-pop, jelly-wop, that's what they do. They go into town, they find the man who owns it. This old army commander and he's all stuffy and stodgy blah blah blah. blah. But in order to meet him first they have to go through his niece and ward, Miss Stella. Stella! Stella! And she's all like sunshine and roses and oh gosh gee willikers isn't everything just swell? Oh it's so nice to meet you. Do wait in the parlor until uncle comes home. And they're like oh well, perhaps you can tell us more about the house and the hair. We want to buy it. And she's like Ugh! You want to buy Windsor House? And they're like, oh, yes, we do. And she's like, that was my mother's house. Oh, it's not for sale. Get out of my house. And the uncle shows up and he's like, mm, girl, what you telling these people? And she's like, oh, I'm just going to slink out embarrassed up the stairs now. Anyway, long story short, they kind of deal with this dude to buy this creepy old mansion on the spot. Mind you, like all done in a matter of about three minutes. House sold, contract signed, everything. This mansion and the property... And the beach property for 1,100 pounds. I realize this was 1944. Woody, help me out here. What is 1,100 pounds in American dollars these days? If you know, you drunk bastard. Because to me, it seemed like a steal. And to me, 
that should have been a huge tip-off that there's something very wrong with the house. And, of course, they're not in it 10 minutes before they find out, yeah, there is. Before they bought the place, they were able to run around and looked at the whole place and, oh, look at the balusters were sliding down the balusters. What, what, pip, pip, bubbles your uncle, what fun. But there's that locked room at the top of the stairs. And they're like, well, we find out what's in it after we buy the place. You always need to find out what's in the locked room before you buy a house. Now they finally bought it, they get the keys to the lock room, and clickety-clack, they open the door, and ooh, it's the studio with a big window facing the beach, and it's one of those rooms, it's like a wet fart in your wedding dress kind of a room, I don't know how else to describe it. You can be in a fantastic mood outside, but as soon as you walk into that room, boom, you are in an Abilify commercial, you are in a Sylvia Plath poem, you are in every Carpenter song ever recorded. Oh, life is bleak. The universe is a sham. Pip, pip, cheerio. Chim, chimmery. And it isn't long after that before they start hearing the weeping woman in the house at night. And from there on, and it's a whole mystery finding out who the hell this ghost is, why every time this girl, Stella, remember Stella, the, the, the commander's niece, every time she comes over to the house, she freaks out, passes out, has some kind of weird episode, gets possessed, or almost runs over one of the cliffs. Like, every single time Mr. Brad was watching the movie, he's like, I would not invite her to my house anymore. Every time, <laughs> she is a party killer. Because she don't know when to go home. And like, you've been here for 30 minutes, and we've already had three episodes with you. You passed out. You ran out of the house screaming. You almost went over the cliff twice. You've got ghosts fighting over you. Just stay home, bitch. Now, there's not a lot of surprises here. This is your classic ghost story, which means there's nothing new or original here. This movie's not really set up for big scares. It's... Lots of fun character work. One of the things I like about this brother and sister couple is that they just, their, their attitude towards this haunting is all very Noel Coward. It's all very nonchalant. It's all very debonair. Very Nick and Nora Charles. It's all witty quips and sly bobs. And oh, isn't this charming? And oh, let's solve a mystery. It's that whole kind of a feel. And it's got every spooky house trick in the book. And if you're in the right mood, that's a good thing. Also, watching this as an adult now, I just watched it with Mr. Brad the other day on Easter, of all things. There's a character in this. There's, there's a woman who runs, well, it's not a mental home, but it is. It's a mental home that's got, you know, lots of gossamer and glitter on it to make it look like it's not a mental home, but it is. I forget what it's called. But it's run by this woman named Miss Holloway. And the second you lay eyes on Miss Holloway, two things enter your mind. One is, oh my God, it's Mrs. Danvers. It's not Mrs. Danvers from Rebecca, but clearly she's channeling her. The second is, Oh my God, what a huge lesbian. Or as Mr. Brad put it, Oh my God, bulldog in a ball gown. <laughs> and as the movie plays out, that does not go away. You're still like, yep, huge lesbian. Oh, giant lesbian. Well, yeah, there's a whole lesbian subplot that seems to be running through this that I guess was lost on day, uh, audiences of the time, but it's pretty clear now. So for all of our lesbolicious sisters out here, this is a nice early example of some lesbian-based horror, I guess. Come on, girls. Explore your roots. That just sounds dirty. Now, the other thing I want to tell you about this movie, this has been a family favorite of mine. This is one of my mother's favorite movies, you know? Every time when this was on, uh, when we were kids, shit stopped in the house. Now, for those of you youngins out there, this was back in the day when we only had regular TV. There was no cable. Regular TV was the TV. There was no regular TV. There was just TV. There was no DVDs or VCRs or DVRs or anything like that, so... Movies cycled through the channels maybe once every two years or so, so when a favorite movie popped up, it was an event. Shit stopped. And The Uninvited would pop up on PBS every now and then, 
or 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 one of them film classic clubs on Fox or something like that, and usually late at night. But didn't matter what day it was, if the uninvited came on, I was allowed to stay up late to watch it with her because she was too scared to watch it alone because she's so cute that way. So as a result, this movie has a huge place in my heart. So uh, I might be hugely biased towards it, but Mr. Brad enjoyed it as well. He said it's not particularly scary, but the whole movie is like a, a nice little fun romp regardless. So, like I said, the tragedy of this movie is that it's not on DVD. It makes me angry that you're not able to romp with us. That you're not able to go out there and rent this film and romp with me and Mr. Brad. Yeah, I'm gonna let that sit there. Mm, no, I'm not, because now I'm just picturing us all like, skipping through a field one day and going, Roompity-roomp, roompity-roomp. Yeah, let's forget that ever happened. However, the reason I was able to get it, it did pop up on Turner Movie Classics. So it's in their cycle. So keep an eye out for it. You know, those of you with the TiVo, you know, put that title in there. Make sure you put in the 1944 or who knows what piece of shit you're going to get. But see if you can get this movie. And those of you who've seen it, let me know what you think. Because I I don't know anyone else who's seen this movie. For the longest time, I thought it was like just something my family knew about. So when it showed up on Turner Movie Classics, I was excited. Are you excited? Too bad. It's my show. Be excited. If you're not excited, go play with yourself. I don't know. The Uninvited, 1944. Spookily unavailable.
as you know, there's an old saying that goes, better late than never. And I think that really applies to this week's selection, Easter Bunny Kill Kill. Of course, this would have been the best thing to talk about last time before the Easter holiday to get you all in the mood, I suppose. So I said to myself, you know, Patrick, you can just wait till next year. Bring it up next Easter. It'll keep. But you know what? This movie is so something. We got to talk about it right now. I got to tell you, I went into this completely cold, kids. I picked this on the title alone. Easter Bunny Kill Kill Sold. I'm in. So I sat down to watch it without having any idea what the story was. And I'm glad I did. But you know, what kind of a segment would this be if I didn't talk about the goddamn movie at all? What the fuck would we talk about? So I'm going to have to tell you about the movie. But first, let's listen to that trailer. And go. Today is Easter. And in this house, seven people will die at the hands of a masked maniac. Meet Nicholas. He's a very special boy. How retarded is he? He's not retarded! And this is his favorite time of year. He's just wild about Easter. But something sinister is lurking just around the corner. Son, I think I'll be smiling from here to here. You, you have a retarded boy with you? Someone special is coming to play with you, dummy. to calm the fuck down. Everybody, calm the fuck down! It's Easter, not fucking Halloween. Now, to be perfectly honest, when I rented this film, I was expecting just, you know, a cheap parody of, uh, you know, the holiday-themed slasher films, you know, like Thanksgiving or, or, or Eli Roth's Thanksgiving or, you know, just something like that. I should have known better. Some of you might remember, I reviewed a while back a movie called Someone's Knocking at the Door. A movie that blew my mind, something I'd never seen anything like before. I think I might have mentioned that almost everybody who worked on Someone's Knocking at the Door worked on a movie called Easter Bunny Killed Kill. And I remember I said at the time, gotta see that! Sounds amazing! Now, it should have followed that Easter Bunny Killed Kill is by the exact same director as Someone's Knocking at the Door, Mr. Chad Farron. Had I remembered that little fact, I might have been more in tune for what I was in for, because what I expected was some silly slasher parody with somebody in a big fluffy bunny suit running around, killing people, and ha ha ha, probably uh, uh, hoping for no better than so bad it's funny. Probably just going to be bad, bad. What I got, though, was a really authentic-feeling, grindhouse-style crime movie that seems to change genres several times during the course of it, and is really engaging, with really strong characters, and something that kept me guessing at every turn. So the movie opens in the midst of a liquor store heist. The store is being held up by a guy with a shotgun, and he's wearing an Easter Bunny mask. 
a plastic Easter Bunny mask. Well, it doesn't end well for the poor cashier. And this had such a strong Pulp Fiction feel to it that I thought, oh, maybe I misjudged what kind of movie this was going to be. Now, it turns out the man behind the bunny mask is our, well, our anti-hero, a Mr. Remington Roscoe. Now, this dude has this Ron Jeremy-esque look. Really sleazy. He's really mean, but there's also something really charming about him. You hate him, but you kind of love him at the same time. Now, he's on his way over to his girlfriend's house. We're just going to call her Big Titty Mom because, you know, she's your average mom type, but she's always got her titties hanging out. Like, no matter what she's wearing, her titties are center screen hanging out. And since her titties seem more apparent... More important than her character, I'm just going to call her Big Titty Mom. So he's going over to meet her son for the first time. Now, Big Titty Mom has not told Remington, or Rem as he's called, that her son's a little special. Yeah, her son Nicholas is 16 years old, and he's uh, mentally uh, mentally retarded with cerebral palsy. And he's got this obsession with Easter. Now, but we'll come back to that. Now, the reason Big Teddy Mom hasn't told Mr. Remington that she's got a son who's a little special is because, well, you know, guys are dogs. She likes this guy a lot and she's afraid he's going to run off. But you know what? Lo and behold, Rem just takes to this boy like, like something that takes to a boy that's special. He's like, oh, I love kids, and I love the boy, and that's fun. I love you so much. As a matter of fact, he's so nonplussed, he suggests that they start living together. Like, right now. So, boom, this guy's in like Flynn. Although not quite. Because remember when I said that Nicholas has this obsession with Easter? Well, Ram doesn't get off on the best foot with him. Because he was talking smack about the Easter Bunny. Nobody talks smack. About the Easter Bunny. Yeah, and the other thing, don't give a kid Easter candy that you stole from a crime scene because it's probably going to have blood on it. Hmm. What? See, it's got blood all over it. Well, that's because the Easter Bunny, see, he, um, he took it away from a very naughty boy. Where did the blood come from? The bad boy. He ripped the Easter Bunny's ears clean off. Don't talk! Don't talk like that. The fuck was that? Yeah, really not the way to kick off this new relationship. Anyway, the kid is crying. Is crying. His mom's like, "Shut up! He was just kidding. Go take out the trash." So he goes and takes out the trash. And while he's out there, he finds an Easter bunny. Not like a candy bunny. He finds this, this nice, white, fluffy bunny in a cage. And he's like, oh, my God, it's an Easter bunny for me. But he knows he can't show his mama. His mama's going to probably make him get rid of it. So he decides to hide the Easter bunny in his room. Meanwhile, while all this is going on, we're finding out what this whole Easter thing is all about. Take it away, Big Titty Mom. He mentioned his father coming home. Thought you said his father died. He did. Nicholas was six years old. Donald died on Easter almost ten years ago. Maybe that's why he's so fond of the holiday. How retarded is he? Okay, so that's strike one with Big Titty Mom because as she is quick to point out, he is not retarded. He's got cerebral palsy plus mental retardation, so... Anyway, I also should point out that Big Titty Mom has no idea that this guy's a criminal. He's all sugar and pie with her. But with Nicholas, that's a whole other story. Now, Rem finds out that the boy's been hiding his bunny in his room. And 
boom, all of a sudden he's got a bargaining chip with this kid. He's like, you do what I say or I tell your mama that this bunny's got rabies and I'll have to snap its neck. So, of course, the kid's complying, but you know what? They're still clashing and they're clashing and they're clashing and they're clashing. And so Easter comes and gosh darn it, mom has to go work at the hospital because she's a nurse. I should say she's a naughty nurse because she's got her little nurse's outfit on and it is zipped, like unzipped all the way down to the belly button. I'm like, really? 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 Okay, people heal in different ways. So poor Nicholas has to spend the day alone with Mr. Rem, but that's okay. Mr. Rem has planned a very special Easter party for Nicholas and it's not going to be an egg hunt. See, because the first thing that Rem does is give a call to his friend Ray. Now, Ray... Okay, this guy gives the scariest performance in the film because he's... Well, aside from the fact that he's got fingernails that are filed down to claws, he's got certain appetites. And he's really fucking creepy. Hello? Ray, is that you? It isn't Judy Garland. Who is this? It's Rem. Rem, where have you been? <laughs> Last job got a... A little bit messy, so I've been laying low with this chick I met. Oh, how sweet. Sounds all puppy dog tails and rainbows. If it wasn't for her mongoloid son, I think I'd be smiling from ear to ear. <sighs> you have a retarded boy with you? Yeah, he's in his room finger-banging his bunny rabbit. Can, can, can I play with him? Why don't you come on down to this little Easter party I'm having? Invite plenty of drugs. It's a date. Yeah, you got that right. While mommy's away, this guy's essentially selling off her mentally handicapped son to a child molester in exchange for drugs. What a peach, isn't he? Yeah, ladies, you're missing a catch right here. Yeah, but you know, before the party starts, Rem's got to lay down the law. Mommy! It's just you and me, you little fucking shit stain. Now listen up, dummy. Believe it or not, I like your mom. And I love this place a whole hell of a lot. What I don't like is her smelly, little, retarded fucking brat of a kid. Things are going to change around here. My mom... Shut the fuck up when I'm talking to you. That's rule number one. Rule number two, you do whatever I tell you to do. Rule number three... You don't ever tell your mother what we talk about or I will go in that room and I will snap the rabbit's neck. You got me so far? My dad, he... Your daddy's dead, dummy. Don't talk like that! Stop don't talk it! Stop it! You're gonna fucking like swallow that. your tongue! So I gotta say, by this point, I'm really disturbed by all of this. Things are not looking good for poor little Nicholas. It's bad enough that we have this horrible child molester coming over with his big nasty nails and his ugly Hawaiian shirt and he looking like Dave from the Drunken Zombie podcast and his clippy clop crutches coming at you and his suitcase full of drugs and dildos and shit. This is seriously bad. But on top of it, there's a few more guests coming to the party. Instead of telling you about them, why don't I just let Rem sing about them? Hookers, hookers and a cocaine, hookers, mm, 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 hookers, I'll be feeling no pain, hookers. Mm. Now, before I go any further, I just have to say that Mr. Brad watched this with me. Well, partially. He was kind of half watching it while doing something else. But he really took a liking to the song, and he has been singing it ever since. He'll just be puttering around the house with his little monkey paws, and he'll just be like, hookers, hookers and a cocaine, hookers, uh, uh, uh. And it's adorable and creepy and disturbing all at the same time. But that's my guy. 
shucks golly gee whiz anyway like i said this is really looking bad i am seriously concerned for this child who is now locked up in his room all the horrible people are descending on the house the child monster has has arrived with a suitcase full of dildos and is approaching the stairs and when he gets into the bedroom nicholas isn't in there but someone else is there's a really large someone in a bunny mask and a power drill and all of a sudden, this movie turns into a sort of revenge flick. A revenge slasher flick. And this is where my plot summary ends. Because you know what? I loved this movie. What a treat from start to finish. I mean, it's exploitive in its own right. But it also has this wonderfully ghoulish sense of good humor to it. And I had a lot of fun. Now, the thing is, I was concerned. Once I saw that the main character, this kid Nicholas, was... Um, handicapped i'm like oh shit we're gonna be playing this for laughs you know the acting's not great overall but i'm like this is gonna be embarrassing but the thing is it's not played for laughs maybe it's not the best prediction uh depiction of somebody with cerebral palsy but this kid's playing it as earnestly as possible um i'm thinking of this one scene in general that was really uncomfortable to watch he's playing this old gramophone record for his bunny rabbit and talking to him about his dad and saying that this is his dad's favorite song. And the kid has his little yellow bunny ears on and he's dancing around to this old song. And it's kind of painful to watch because I keep calling him a kid, but he's 16. He's got the mind of a five-year-old, but he's a 16-year-old kid dancing around and clapping his little hands to the song. And I'm like, oh my God, this is terrible. And then I thought, you know what? No, this isn't terrible. This is exactly how this, this kid's having a good time. And if this was a five-year-old doing it, you know, I have nieces and nephews. I know how five-year-olds act to music. I said, no, this is okay. I don't mind this so much. It doesn't make it any less painful to watch. But you know what? I had a great time watching this movie. Because once it switches gears into the slasher stuff, it does not hold back at all. It's really creepy. It's really gory. It just so happens there's a whole range of power tools that are laying around the house. Actually, this is set up early. This is another uh, uh, credit to the filmmaker. I'm watching it with Mr. Brad, and early on, there's just the scenes with Big Titty Mom and her son sitting there talking about Easter, and I'm going, why is everything covered in plastic? All the furniture's covered in plastic, all the lamps are covered in plastic, everything's covered in sheets of plastic, and I'm looking like, thinking, it looks, already looks like a, it already looks like a Dexter crime scene, you know? But it's adding this whole eerie effect to the house. You find out much later that you have this handyman and his girlfriend that are doing repairs on the house and remodeling to the house. And that's why all these power tools and plastic are everywhere. But you know what? It's all creepy and it's all good. What makes it fun too is that all these people have it coming. Every single one of them have abused this kid in some way or are here to exploit this kid and the family in some way. And they got it coming. Also, what really helps too is that even though these people are bad, they're kind of likable in their own right. Unlike most slasher films where everyone's just played to be an annoying asshole, these are charming assholes. My, what a charming asshole you have. Why, thank you. It's been to finishing school. And what I found really neat, I'm, I was baffled on who this killer was. I, for me, it was a really good whodunit for a while because I'm thinking, okay, the kid locked himself in the room when all these people were coming. The child molester shows up, gets in the room, the kid's gone, but the killer's already in there. I'm going, how did this killer get in the room? Who is it? It's not the kid because it's twice the size and the kid's got cerebral palsy. So he's got that one arm that's curled in and he shakes. I'm like, it's clearly not him. Unless all of a sudden he doesn't have it. I'm thinking, well, who the hell is it? Is it his father? It was his father. He's dead. They keep talking about the father, but how did he get in the room? Why did he come back today? That doesn't make any sense. I'm going, is it a spirit? Is it some kind of avenging spirit? Oh my God, is it the Easter Bunny? I mean, seriously, this movie was fucked up enough that it could actually be the Easter Bunny. <gasps> or maybe it's that rabbit. That rabbit that he found. Maybe it transformed into some... <gasps> 
spiritual warrior or something. I'm not telling you who it is because the solution's the solution. Uh, ultimately, the end end is kind of silly. It's this almost ludicrous fairy tale ending, but in a weird way, it fits the movie. So I like it. I highly recommend this movie, except for one thing. This movie does something that I find a lot of horror movies do, and I don't find it in other movies at all. What is it with horror movies having whole scenes about people going to the bathroom? You know? How many horror movies have you seen where we have a whole scene watching somebody take a dump? Ooh, baby. Hey, baby. Ooh, baby. Hey, baby. It happens all the time. And it happens here twice. Twice. And I'm just sitting there the whole time going, my God, I hope they, uh, this person doesn't get killed before they flush. Why this is concerning me, I don't know. I guess, you know, even in the midst of a slasher film, you got to have some decorum. But seriously, you don't see Kira Knightley all of a sudden stopping in the middle of the Duchess to pop a squat behind some bushes during the coronation. No, you don't. You never see Meryl Streep pinching a loaf before she goes into the Silkwood shower. No, you don't. What is it? Are we that horrified of our excre- of our excretory system? I guess so, because I am, because I'm always wretching during this stuff. I don't like it. Stop it. Make it stop. But by all means, don't let this keep you from seeing the movie, because I loved it, and so did Mr. Brad. The only thing he loves more is... Hookers. Hookers and the cocaine hookers. Uh, okay, actually the answer I was leaning for, Mr. Brad, was that you love me. The only thing you love more is me. It's okay, let's try this again. The only thing Mr. Brad loves more is... Hookers! Hookers! hookers okay, clearly this has spiraled completely hookers. out of control. Shut up! Easter Bunny, kill, kill, go rent it, go rent it, now shut up, Mr. Brad, you're ruining everything! Oh, yeah! Hi, Patrick, this is Aaron from North Carolina. Aaron uh, from North Carolina. Just, wait, well, wait, 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 wait a minute. Aaron from North Carolina. I don't recognize that name, so it must be a first-time caller. Yay! Okay, I'm sorry. What were you saying? Hi, Patrick. This is Aaron from North Carolina. Hello, Aaron. And I just, well, recently saw Scream 4, and I thought I'd give you my impressions of it. Yes. Uh, yes. I admit I'm biased because I pretty much grew up on the Scream movies, but uh-huh. I enjoyed it. I thought good, good, it good. was pretty much Scream 2 level quality. Not as good as the original Scream, but uh, certainly better than Scream, 4, Scream 3. Oh, hell yes. Um, without giving any spoilers, because it's still a new movie, I can say that um, it's a particularly good entry for playing the Who Killed Who Scream game. I agree. And uh, Emma Roberts, who plays Sydney's cousin, uh, she doesn't embarrass herself in the end. Uh, <laughs> she, a tough females must run in that family. I guess. Oh, and uh, don't go so hard on the cats. They just want to be on the show, too. Okay, Aaron. Thank you so much for calling in. Um, I agree with pretty much everything you said. Uh, for you guys listening, um, Aaron, ugh, Aaron actually called last week. Uh, but I had already recorded everything. The episode hadn't come out yet, but everything had been recorded and edited. And I wrote her, and I said, I'm sorry, babe. It's going to have to wait till next week. So good for you agreeing me. Good for you for agreeing with me without hearing what I had said. And, and I agree. Emma Roberts, uh, I can't speak today. Emma Roberts did not embarrass herself. And I hate her much less than Julia Roberts. I fucking hate her. I always have. And I always.
always will. Unless she gives me a job. Then I'll hate her less. More. Anyway, yeah, and also, um, clearly she hadn't heard the episode last week because she didn't know what was going on with the cats. And um, I know they just want to be on the show. Everybody wants to be on the show. But the show's mine! Mine, 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 mine! I hate to be selfish, but it's all about me. Me, 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 me. And you guys. Nice save, Patrick. Um, so, before we move on, I just want to say, we have got a shit ton of feedback this week. A lot of it's about the cats, a lot of it's about that guy on the street who was an asshole, and the outpouring for both of those things has been massive. I've gotten dozens and dozens and dozens of, of emails and Facebook responses and tweets and personal phone calls, and if I addressed all of them, we'd be here for, well, let's just say a really long time. So I'm going to give you guys the highlights, and um, if I don't read yours or address yours, please do not feel bad. I got it. I, I'm very moved by it. I'm very touched by it. I've responded to a lot of you, but it's it's been overwhelming in a good way. And thank you guys so much. It was great to know you guys are out there and were caring about what was going on on this side of the microphone. And um, I appreciate that. So let's get down to some emails. Okay, this first one comes from Daniel, uh, and I got this on Facebook. And he said, hello, Mr. Patrick. Please allow me to share a little story with you. My brother is the type of person who loves to exercise every spare moment, occasionally past his limit. One day, he collapsed in front of his own home after a long jog. He was so exhausted, his legs would no longer support him. I happened to be visiting and not jogging, screw that, atta girl, uh, so I went to help. I got up and supported him by putting my arm around his waist. He looped his arms around my neck. After 10 steps or so, a pickup truck stopped in the street just a few feet from us and yelled, you fucking faggots. Not really wise, because my brother is six foot one and built like an Olympic athlete. I'm six foot and 300 pounds. Well, there you go. Um, in a threatening voice and an evil glare, I simply replied, get out or drive. He drove. My brother smiled and told me I was crazy. Yeah, but you love your big brother anyway. Well, don't tell my wife I fell. Don't tell mom I nearly got in a fight. Okay, the tough guys were scared of women, is, is what he's trying to say. Basically, I just want to ask, what the hell is wrong with people? If you don't approve, can't you just keep your mouth shut? Or does voicing your small-minded opinion make you feel the superior person? That man with the disapproving head shake should be ashamed of himself, but I know he's not. Well enough ranting for me. I'm glad Tyler is doing well, and please give Mr. Brad a comforting pat on the shoulder from me. You gentlemen, take care. SQ fan, Daniel. Mr. Brad, comforting pat on the shoulder. Thank you. Pat, 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 pat. He said thank you. Okay, Daniel, thank you for writing in. That's a, that's, a, that's a hell of a story. I didn't do a great job reading it because I didn't realize there was going to be parts in this. I, I didn't have enough time to prepare is what I'm trying to say. But, yeah, I don't know what the hell is wrong with people. But, um, fuck them is what I got. Not literally. But, you know, shut up. Okay, let's, let's, let's play a phone call. Hey, Patrick. This is Toppy. Hey, Toppy. I just listened to episode 30. And uh, I wanted to say uh, the, the portions of it were... Uh, most most um, intense and uh, moving, really. Um, and I think you know what part I was talking about. Yeah. Yes, your review of Scream 4. I know, no, right? Not really. Um, well. Actually, uh, it's a little bit about your cat. Mm -hmm. And a little bit about your partner. And a little bit about comforting him. And um, what happened? 
and I just got to say thanks for, for thanks for relating it. And um, I certainly, and probably a lot of your listeners, know exactly where you're coming from. And uh, I guess I want to just say thanks for putting that in there. And um, mm-hmm. and thanks for putting out an episode uh, during a time that was... Uh, obviously, a bad time in your life, and uh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and just getting it out there and doing a good job, and uh, it was a good episode, Thank a real you. good episode, and I appreciated I appreciate your effort and uh, what you do, no. and um, also you're kind of cute when you get mad. <laughs> All right, you dirty old man. Take care and keep doing what you're doing. Will do, Love sir. The Scream Queens. And the Scream Queens. We love you, Toppy. Toppy is calling in from the Smellcast. And uh, to go check out his show, uh, there's a link in the Friends section over on the webpage. And um, his show is about virtually everything. He just rambles on and on about whatever's on his mind. And he's charming as all hell. And he's got some, well, characters who come and visit every now and then, and that just makes the show even more special. I appreciate your calling in, Toppy. It was not an easy thing to do, putting out a show last week, but um, like I said, it was therapy. There is something to be said about uh, just the mundane, everyday things. Just doing that sort of thing does get your mind off of really bad things that are going on, and it's... I needed to do it. I would have driven myself crazy sitting around at home had I not done it. And regarding the phone call to myself, I... I knew I wasn't going to talk about it. I said to myself, you really need to talk about this. But once I started recording, I didn't. And then I'd forgotten about that call completely. And even then I said, oh, do I really want to keep this in? And I said, you know what? This is pretty real. This is about as real as it gets. So, And again, it was therapy. It was my way of getting back at him. And it was nice to see all you people rise up against him. And, and, and anyway, thank you guys for listening and understanding. And thank you, Toppy, for calling in. Dirty old bear. Okay, let's try to lighten things up a bit now with an email from Squigbrain. How can you not get cheered up with uh, Squigbrain? Anyway, he writes, uh, Hey, uh, this is Brian running in for the first time. I exist behind a nasty firewall at work, so I have to take notes on post-its when people recommend films and whatnot. Let's see what comes to mind. Uh, okay, this is really long. So I'm going to paraphrase a bit. His first paragraph is all about um, he would love to engage in all this Netflix movie reviewing, but he can't. He's got some sort of ADD and can't watch things without company or if it's, or if it's not in a video game. Um, and he's been too busy playing World of Warcraft on the weekends and watching TV. I don't know, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, now back to the part about me. Secondly, fuck that head-shaking guy in the ass. Bracket, metaphorically. Thank you. Gross. I wish your cat and... You both the best, and second, Brian from Drunken Zombies sentiment, R.E., that guy, R.E., dying in a fiery car accident. Yeah, I know, too good for him. Uh, enough said. My main reason for the email is, it's a bit jumbled a few hours after I've listened, but I remember you commenting that there didn't seem to be death commemorations around here. I beg to differ. I wasn't sure how much I could talk about the incident and yearly celebrations, so, but I found another Stony Brook alum, wrote, oh, okay. Basically, I can't follow this, but what he's trying to say, it's all R's and, and here two fours. Um, 
He's commenting about my uh, what I said during the Scream 4 review about uh, people, towns, having parties to celebrate some tragic event like like a big massacre all of a sudden is an excuse for a big drunken orgy for the teenagers. And I wondered, did that actually happen in real life? And he says, yes, it does. And apparently it happens on the uh, campus of Stony Brook University out on Long Island, my native stomping grounds. And he includes a, a, a link to an article about this event, which I will put into the show notes. Uh, but basically he says... In a nutshell, in the sci-fi fantasy club I used to hang out with for way too long, once a year we celebrate, quote-unquote, the death of a friend of the old club. He went out on a drunk nightly stroll with a friend, clowned around near an open steam vent, and fell to a gruesome death, steamed alive. On that fateful night, bored foramites gathered together around the tunnel site where he fell and tell a highly embellished version of his demise. We then throw White Castle burgers in as an offering, for they too are steamed to death. Ew. We scream for 11 seconds as he did, then break and run before campus police swing by. Ah, wasted adulthood. Anyway, keep on trucking or some such. I look forward to more funny shit and informative reviews. Take it easy, Bri. Well, thank you, Bri. You kind of proved me wrong, and you kind of didn't. Because what he described here is a commemoration. It's a memorial in its own right. I was talking more about drunken reveling. I mean, maybe there are parties afterwards, but it doesn't say anything about that in the, in the article. But it, it, this is more like the sci-fi fantasy club going out and remembering one of their own in a sick, perverted kind of way. But I, I see your point. We all learned something here today. We don't normally do that here. We don't like no fancy book learning here on Scream Queens. But uh, if you want to find out more about it, uh, like I said, there's a link. I'll put it on the show notes for reals this time. And thank you, Brian. This was cool. Phone call. Hey, Patrick. This is Jay, the Haunt Cub, calling from Delaware. Hey, Han Cub. Hi, I haven't called in a while, so I apologize for that. But, of course, I'm still listening to the show. Wonderful, wonderful. Yes. Uh, Just a couple of things I wanted to touch base with you about. Mm -hmm. Uh, First of all, I wanted to see how your cat was doing. Um, He's fabulous. I'm having some uh, issues with my dog who's getting older, and she's having some health problems and stuff, so I definitely empathize with you. I'm sorry Um, to hear that. Hope uh, the cat's doing well and that the um, prognosis is a good one. And I was uh, very impressed with the strength that you showed by posting your or uh, uh, putting your call up where you were freaking out at that guy who saw you guys hugging, which is just absolutely fucking ridiculous. Um, anyway, uh, I wanted to let you know I did see uh, Scream 4 the first week it was out. Now, I was not yes. a massive fan of the original series. Uh-huh. Um, I, I did like them, but I didn't actually see any of them in the theater. Uh, um, I don't even remember see, number goes. three at all, but I know I saw it. But um, I thought it was pretty decent, but uh, I have to kind of go with... Um, I'm trying to, I've heard a couple of podcasts review it, and I'm trying to remember who I most agree with. It might have been Bloody Good Heart. Um, um, but I, I was pretty happy with it, other than like the last third, maybe. I mm-hmm. thought the... Uh, and this is spoiler alert, but I don't know whether you're going to want to play this part or not. but That's no, okay. It's um, old now. Basically, I thought the the reveal of who the killer slash killers was was a bit ridiculous. Um, okay. I don't see how there's any way the two people of that size could have carried out the things that they did. And I thought the end was a bit Friday the 13th, uh, sort of a resurrection kind of deal. I thought it was okay. a bit crazy. But uh, anyway, um, other overall, I enjoyed it. Um the other thing was I kind of thought about today was I can't figure out who, who was it that was placing the calls because uh, clearly neither of those people sounded anything like 
the killer that was making the calls to Sydney. So I, that part I haven't quite figured out. I have to agree with you a little bit on David Arquette. I always thought he was cute. I don't think he's, you know, <laughs> a 10 or anything like that. No, uh, but no, he is but he's cute. He's aged fairly well. I mean, he doesn't yeah, look well. as young as he did in the first screen, but who does? It's better and, than his uh, wife. people have commented on uh, Courtney's uh, surgeries and how much she's changed. That seemed to be a, a pretty strong theme in the reviews I've heard and read. Uh, and uh, I have to agree with you about the hairy arm deal. But then again, I wouldn't be a proper cub if I didn't appreciate a man with, uh, you know, some uh, furry forearms. Amen, um, brother and man. And the last thing I wanted to tell you was I watched a movie uh, recently on uh, Netflix. Uh-huh. Um, it was not an instant watch. It was a DVD only uh, on the recommendation of a friend. And I don't remember if you reviewed this one or not because my memory sucks. But... Um, it was called Fragile, and it was with Calista oh, yeah, Lockhart. Yeah, yeah. I believe it was one of the Fangoria uh, direct-to-DVD kind of deals. Um, and actually, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, I thought it was a fairly, as, you know, as ghost movies go, fairly plausible. Yeah, yeah. It had a decent ending. Uh, the ghost was kind of creepy without being overly revealed. Uh, I thought maybe 15 minutes could have been cut out of it, but I thought... Um, yes. Definitely. Overall, the story was pretty good, and the acting was pretty decent. Uh, I think all the actors, for the most part, were British, except for Flockhart. Yeah, um, I, I, so I, I, I've never as far really as I know. seen much of in anything, because I was not an Ally McBeal watcher. Me but, either! Uh, anyway, I recommend Didn't get that it. one. Uh, I don't know, if, like, again, I don't know if whether you saw it or not, but I thought it was pretty decent. Anyway, uh, keep up the great work. Love listening to the podcast. Take it Thank easy, you. and I will drop you a message soon. Bye. Well, hey, Jay, thank you so much for calling in. It was so nice to hear your voice. Um, but yeah, Scream 4. Interesting thoughts. Um, I went back and saw it a second time, like I mentioned uh, in the review. And I was looking for a lot of that stuff as well. I did notice there was a huge height differentiation between the characters of the killers and whoever was wearing the ghost fast. The ghost fast? The ghost-faced mask is what I was trying to say. And... Yeah, Whatever. Yeah, I don't think Emma Roberts will be able to pick up anybody and throw anybody through a window. But you know what? I, certain things I can let go. Oh, and you mentioned the calls. Who was calling who when? They actually touched on that. They kept talking about, you don't have the Ghostface app, so blah, blah, blah. Apparently, there's an app that makes you sound just like Ghostface, which is really technologically impossible. But, you know, they did that crap in Scream 3, too. But this was a little less obnoxious. So, okay, they were using the app. But I did... Take note who could have been calling when and from where. It did all pretty much add up as far as I could see. Yeah, and Courtney Cox is looking like a train wreck, but I had to say she looked better than she did in Scream 3 because she was so fucking skinny and she had that horrible haircut with the bangs. Every time she was on screen, I was like, somebody gave her a sandwich and a body wave or something. Uh, yeah, and you're right. A proper cub could not let those hairy arms go as a former proper cub. I can attest to that. Yeah, I used to run with the Bears all the time. I used to go to IBR in Chicago and Texas Bear Roundup. I went to Orlando for the Bear Bust. I marched with the Metro Bears here in New York City for Pride back in the day. But, you know, Met- New York City Bears are kind of cunty because I had to shave for work and then I lost weight and then nobody would talk to me anymore. So, you know what? You move on. But I'm still a cub at heart. So I only got three words to say. Body waxing? Blah. Okay, relatively quick fireside chat. You mentioned not being able to see Scream, any of the Screams in the movie, the first three. I saw them all in the films, uh, in the films, in the movie theaters, and I have to say, 
The second one, I had the most unique experience. So everybody gather around. Patrick's telling a story. Okay, picture it. Whatever fucking year it was. I went out on tour with some children's theater bullshit somewhere. I guess it must have been in California. We might have been in LA. might have been San Francisco. I don't remember. But it was opening night. And I don't know how we got tickets to this. But it wound up being this party premiere of it. Not a red carpet thing. But they had a whole studio supported hoopla. And... You know, when we got in, it was just like in the movie. We, they handed us a bag with a, a, a ghost face mask and a big glow-in-the-dark knife. And they had a band playing and they had a stand-up comedian. So by the time the movie started, it was a total fucking party atmosphere. And what wound up happening is in the theater, the actions in the theater where we were started to mimic the actions of the theater in the movie. We were that crowd. We were dressed up. We were yelling for blood. And then when what's-her-butt Jada Pinkett Smith started finally getting knifed, you just saw the whole party atmosphere die in the theater. And this collective guilt like, oh my god, that's us. We're cheering for blood. And then we all start looking around at the other people in the ghosted face masks. And within, by the time... The title card came up. Nobody was wearing that mask anymore. And it was a really, really neat effect. And none of the rest of y'all had it. Ha. Oh, yeah, Fragile. I mentioned it really briefly. I had such a bad experience overall with the Fangoria Fright Fest films, those eight films. Almost all of them were terrible, except for maybe three. And uh, I, I briefly touched on that one because it was not good enough to be spend a lot of time talking about on the show, nor was it bad enough to spend a lot of time talking about it on the show. I think all I said was that it was pretty good, kind of slow, and it had some really unnerving nudity at the end. And I really think you got to agree with me there. That was really twisted. So out of left field with the rest of the movie, in a good way. Uh, yeah, I would recommend Fragile for people who like ghost stories and appreciate something a little bit slower. But at that time in my life, I was not going to cover it. Oh, well. Oh, yeah, I love the location of that movie. That hospital was scary. Those high arch ceilings. It was more like a cathedral and a hospital. And it was always so dark, working for me, loved it, set the mood wonderfully. Callista Flockhart, another one. Give the bitch a sandwich, for Christ's sake. Jay, thank you so much for calling in. It's so wonderful to hear your voice again. And woof, baby, woof. Okay, I got one more email to read. And um, this one is kind of on, it's, it's, it stems from the depressing topics of last week. But I think this has such a positive spin to it. I think you're all going to enjoy it. And this comes from, I have no idea how to pronounce this, but I'm going to go with Strigoi. Can I just call you Jim? Strigoi? Because I, 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 you know who you are. The rest of us don't know. Anyway, he says, Dear Patrick and Mr. Brad, the latest episode of your podcast inspired me to get off my lazy butt and finally write in. Like a great many of your listeners, I'm sure I came to you by way of Mail Order Zombie and have been hooked since your first episode. Oh, thank you. I work nights, which allows me to indulge in my podcast habit. And honestly, I look forward to your shows to keep me enlightened on all things Scream Queenish in the movie world. You've also managed to ensnare my wife with your subtle wit and coy manner. I'm really good at that. Apparently, I hook wives all over the country. I get more responses from people who say that my wife doesn't even like horror movies, loves your show. What can I say? I'm a chick magnet. Anyway, continuing on with the email. But enough fanboy gushing. Oh, please, don't stop yourself. The main reason I feel compelled to write to you is your voicemail from yourself in episode 30. Okay, I'm straight, but don't hold it against me. Depends what we're talking about here. I'd like to hold some things against you, but no, never mind. That's rude. Anyway, like Zombart, I too have lived amongst the gays and studied your strange and arcane ways. Arcane, we are fashion forward, bitch. Anyway, 
but our two peoples have so much in common. If you play show tunes, do I not sing? If you imitate Nathan Lane, do I not laugh? In short, under the skin, we're all pretty much the same. A really gross connection of icky bits. I was exceptionally moved by your voicemail. In fact, I got all choked up and teary-eyed by it. We don't know each other, and I'm just another listener, but it's important for me to tell you that I have repeatedly mentally bitch-slapped that foul... Sorry, bitch-slapped that mouth-breathing fuckstick who gave you and Brad the evil eye. You and Brad have every right to express your emotions, and it makes me genuinely ill to think that there are ignorant people out there that would look down at you for daring to show your feelings in public, like they were something to be ashamed of and needed to be locked away out of sight for respectable society. I firmly, passionately believe that it's okay for everyone to show genuine emotion, compassion, and affection in public. And from my wife, she says, Fuck the closet, fuck boys don't cry, and yay for PDA! She makes me proud. That's a t-shirt right there, by the way. Um, I was happy to see that your kitty is better, and I hope your sister is improving. Positive thoughts all around. Thank you for a great podcast. Strigoy and Cat. And he adds, P.S. By the way, Mr. Evil Eye Man, karma is a real bitch. Yes, she is, Strigoy, and so am I. Thank you so much for this email. I, um... I don't know what to say about it. I love it. I want to kiss it. I want to hug it. And um, while I loved all the responses that we got uh, to, to the difficult times of going through this, this one really made me smile just because of the positive upspin to it. it. And it made me laugh, which was hard to do last week. And um, thank you for that person whose name I cannot pronounce. Next time, I don't know, add a pronunciation guide or something. Otherwise, I'm going to start calling you Stir Fry because that's the closest thing I got to it. Anyway, moving along. Hey, Patrick. Hi. Um, first of all, I want to say... Oh, Colin, hey, 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 hey. harpoon on the instant watch party. No one fucking came, and yeah, that was there are a bunch of assholes for not doing it. But, yeah, mm. wondering what you have planned next. Also, um, thank you for saving me from that Maze movie. I had it on my instant queue. <laughs> I was just about to watch it right after I was listening to your podcast, and you said it sucked ass. Well, not steady. exactly. And, um, also, kid knows what you, damn queen. Now, you get to see Night of the Leapers. I've been try, trying to track that movie down for about a year now, ever since my, um, on aunt's TMC. ex-husband, you know, showed a trailer. I'm like, oh, damn it. eBay's too expensive. Amazon, you suck. Yeah. And Netflix, I only do streaming. I don't... Well, either that or I just need to get off my lazy ass and get Get off your lazy but, ass. Yeah. Christ. You need to give me a better example on how good it is the show. I don't remember that you said a lot of things about the movie itself, just that the cast and it was funny as hell. But, what else do you yeah. need to know? Um, other than that, going through your road games, chain letter, insidious cast right now, can't wait to hear the horror hound and scream for... Cast yeah, in a, yeah. About an hour. Um, but yeah, can't wait for the next episode, and can't wait to see what you have planned next for the movie. Bye. Colin, great to hear from you. Um, sorry I didn't realize who it was right away. Your your voice kind of dropped out when you said your name. And plus, um, not for nothing, your voicemail when it came in was labeled Susan. So I was expecting to hear the voice of a Susan. Are you a Susan sometimes, Colin? It's okay. We accept everybody here. I might want to borrow your wig sometimes. But anyway, let's get back on topic. Um, 
Colin was mentioning uh, a movie called Harpoon. Actually, the full title is Harpoon, The Whale-Watching Massacre, or something to that effect. Uh, I had an impromptu Netflix viewing party, and I just can't really get this technology to work properly. I don't know what it is. Um, if somebody out there can explain how to get a party together without everybody dropping out every two seconds, please email me, call me, whatever. I will be your friend for life. Yeah, Colin and I was the only one who showed up, and because um, it was last minute, and we just could not get it together. I wound up watching it on my own, and the movie was strange. I'm not sure if I liked it. I'm not sure if it's a movie that you're supposed to like, but it was strange. I'm not recommending it. I'm not not recommending it. I'm going to let you guys figure that one out for yourself. And you are a lazy piece of crap. What is it with people these days? They can't eat... I hear this so many times. I hear other podcasts that won't do anything that's not available on Netflix streaming, which for a horror podcast is really ridiculous because traditionally their Netflix instant streaming horror selection is awful. Everything's one star, one star, one star, one star, one star. So you are really limiting your ass out. Spread your ass around, Colin. (laughs) Bring some DVDs home once in a while. And I did not say The Maze was a huge piece of shit. I said The Maze had a lot going wrong with it, but it had some things that were working for me and to approach with caution. That's what I said. You would have hated it. I know you enough. Night of the Lepus was on TMC, man. Keep an eye out on TMC in general. They have great movies popping up all the time, usually over the weekend in, in the late night, Friday night slots. Um... And a lot of stuff that's not available on DVD, like I just mentioned earlier about The Haunting, 1944. Learn your lesson well, child. And you too can have a night with a lepus, if that's what you really want. Oh look, I see Susan called back. Let's see what Susan has to say this time. Hey Patrick, one thing I had to say, well, unless you don't record before I watch inserts. Never, Susan. I I was watching that Nightmare Red, White, and Blue thing, Yes. And uh, yes. and I listened to your review. And that one douchebag, for his name, he's not important. He's a douchebag. Anyway, um, yeah, I watched it. God, he's an ass. It's like, Thank you. Oh, yeah, good insight, good insight. Then that guy shows up. It's like, oh, yay. Uh-huh. You know, it's kind of like sticking your dick in a meat grinder. He's that guy. It's like, oh, yay, I'm going to go have fun. After that. Ugh. But, no. Yeah, he was the downer of the mo- of the stupid document as a documentary, and God, it's like I hated that whole. Who was more evil, Freddy Krueger or Richard Nixon? Fuck you. Really? Um, I didn't think Freddy Krueger was evil in the eighties, but yeah, that's and uh, just he's a fictional character. <laughs> um. Anyway, I'm just listening, and I heard you talk about this sh- uh, movie called Inserts, and you know, oh yes, 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 it's on instant stream. <laughs> Hey, it's Richard Dreyfuss. So, I don't know, you'll watch it. Maybe I'll give you a review and, well, not a review, just say, hey, I liked it, and you recommended. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Susan. I don't mean to laugh. I just don't think I've heard anybody ever be that enthusiastic about seeing Richard Dreyfuss in a movie. Woo! I applaud your enthusiasm. Well done. Um... Gosh, where do you even start with that? Yeah, fucking nightmares in red, white, and blue. Yeah, he's. Uh, if you guys don't know, it's a documentary. I touched on it briefly ages ago, and this douche that Colin's talking about totally ruined the movie for me. And I'm not gonna say I'm glad he ruined the movie for you. 
I'm just glad that you agree with me. I like being proved right. Thank you for stroking my ego. Hmm. Hmm. I'll stop doing that. I sound like Eartha Kitt when I do that, and that's just creepy. Uh, yeah, I hope you like inserts. It's, it's interesting. You know, it's surprising that a mainstream movie got made at that time that's this, well, what it is. And, uh, you know, it's got my gal and it's got my, my Veronica Cartwright, who, by the way, I missed her birthday. She had her birthday during the whole cat crisis. So happy belated birthday, Veronica Cartwright. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, thank you for calling in again, Susan. It's been great. Well, kids, you know what? When I am reduced to doing my Eartha Kit imitations, it is time to wrap this puppy up for another week. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. And uh, you know what? Before you're going anywhere, I have another homework assignment. Oh, yes, I do. Um, if you have available to Netflix Instant Watch or Netflix and you can get the DVD in time, I would like you guys to check out a little movie called Frayed. F-R-A-Y-E-D. I was tipped off to this from Freddie on Night of the Living Podcast, and I watched it myself, and I have some very strong opinions about it. But you know what? I want to hear yours, too, so we can all go on this voyage together. Now, I'm going to tell you something about the movie. The first five minutes and the last ten will turn your world upside down. What's in the middle, while not extraordinary, is absolutely necessary to get you from those first five minutes to the last ten minutes. I ask you to be patient. There will be points when you're going, why are you making me watch this? Please be patient. And next week, let's discuss. Now, Patrick, at the beginning of the show, you were just saying, you're sticking a great ending on the end of a bad movie. That's really kind of annoying. But you know what? Shut up. Listen to me when I'm talking to you. Have I ever steered you wrong? Ever? Okay, Betty and Durwood notwithstanding, I tried to give you two good movies. You didn't like one because you have no taste. But you know what? I'm not trying to steer you wrong. I'm trying to stir up some discussion. God damn it. So just watch the movie. And send me your loving thoughts and opinions. But now that I've done my homework, Patrick, how do I get in touch with you and let you know what I think? Well, I'll tell you, very wise listener. You could send me an email at crew at screamqueens.com. And that's queens with a Z. Or you can give me a call at 347-767-3509. You can like me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. And you can just be the best motherfucking you that you can be, you ugly whore. I'm just kidding. You're a beautiful whore. Oh, so for the next episode, uh, I happen to win a couple of tickets to uh, two horror movies at the Tribeca Film Festival. So I'm going to be doing a special Tribeca horror focus segment. Plus, you know what season it is? It's prom season, so I am going to try my damnedest to get my goddamn friend Owen out of his fucking closet and come over here and record something about Carrie with me like he's been promising to do since this goddamn show started. No pressure, no pressure, guilt, 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 but we'll see what happens. So until next time, continue to make the world a creepier place. And remember, as my grandmama used to say, Boy, you know damn well that when I told you to blow out your birthday candle, I didn't mean it like that. That's nasty. Bye! Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches! <laughs>